Hello and welcome to the Feeling Good Podcast. I am your host, Fabrice Nye, and joining me here in the Murrieta Studios is Dr. David Burns. Hi, David. Hi, Fabrice. Dr. David Burns has been a pioneer in the development of cognitive therapy, and he is the creator of the new team therapy. He is the author of Feeling Good, which has sold over 5 million copies in the United States and has been translated into over 20 languages. He is an emeritus adjunct clinical professor of psychiatry at the Stanford University School of Medicine. So, David, I think today we, we are going to uh, refer back to one of the chapters in uh, the Feeling Good book where um, you talk about sadness. Is sadness and depression the same thing? No, sadness is not depression. And uh, this is really about uh, what you call healthy versus unhealthy emotions. And, um, and that's, I think, a, a, a good, useful topic because the question is, why are we doing this work? What are we trying to accomplish? You know, are we supposed to be happy all the time? So what, what do you have to say to that? Right. Um, and again, uh, good to see you today. And thanks for coming over. Yeah. Um, giving me and both of us the chance to, to share some some ideas and stories and thoughts that might might be a, hopefully of interest to, to folks. Um, but I, I don't think that human beings should, you know, try to be happy all the time. And right. I, I sometimes say to my patients that I think we're all entitled to five happy days per week and two miserable days <laughs> per week. And have we gone over that already or in a pre previous podcast? I, I don't think so. Oh, okay. Well, if you, if, you haven't, if, you, if you don't have your five happy days per week, you need a little, little mental tune-up. If you don't have your two miserable days per week, uh, we're going to have to put you on lithium because you're getting a little too, too happy. Um, but the idea behind what, what I'm saying is, is, is that it's, it's pretty natural uh, probably inevitable for most human beings to fall into black holes from time to time where we get we get that's depressed. my experience yeah, yeah absolutely uh, depressed uh, anxious uh, uh, irritable uh, feel inferior d discouraged uh, inadequate uh, frustrated uh, ashamed you know all of these these kinds of feelings and that that's a part of of normal, healthy, healthy living, but a lot of people, and, and usually you can pop out of those moods, and and they can have some some value for you as well. But the people I've treated in my career have been struggling with uh, years, sometimes decades of of relentless, relentless depression, and that's something that is not healthy. Or, or desirable. Unfortunately, we have now really powerful ways to help people turn that around. But I've I, I found it helpful to think of each kind of negative feeling as help, having a healthy side and an unhealthy side. Uh, for, for example, there, there's right. So, so what would be the, the healthy side of uh, of uh, let's say sadness? Okay, well, let's 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 take some, a couple simple obvious ones first, yeah. then we'll come to the the big one: sadness versus okay, depression. Sure. But let's take uh, guilt versus healthy remorse. Right. Uh, I, you might do or say something that that hurts someone you love, 
and then and feel feel some some remorse. I remember when my son was little, and there was something about him doing his homework, and he was being persistently irritating or some such thing. And I remember I I, I snapped at him, probably. Uh, too too sharply, right? Too hard, and, yeah. and he just kind of turned and started crying, and sadly started going downstairs to do what I was telling him to do, but feeling really crushed. Yeah, and I remember feeling this tremendous sense of remorse, and 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 I went down and I picked him up in my arms, and I, I, I said, Eric, I I, I have to uh, ask for your forgiveness. I was just too harsh on you right right now, and I want you to know that I just really love you, you know, more than more than anything in, in the world. And that would be a healthy, normal reaction, as opposed because it gets you to do the right thing. In yeah, any yeah, sense. yeah. And then it comes to an end and allows you to get closer to someone and reminds you what your your value system is. Uh, but uh, I had so many patients, like a a, a woman who came to me and you know, said she was very severely depressed because she had the thought, I'm a bad mother, when that, of course, has all the distortions over generalization and hidden should statements and all or nothing thinking and, and self-blame. Well, what had happened is she got a report that one of her sons was having trouble at school and, uh, you know, that she needed to come in and make a plan for, you know, correcting what, whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, right. But instead of thinking... You know, my son has has a problem, and we need to pinpoint what it is, and then see how best to correct it. She was using all of her energy, beating up on herself, saying, "I'm a bad mother," rather than using it creatively to to define and and solve the problem. So you're pointing to the unhealthy side of, yeah, of guilt. Yeah, yeah, and 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 the the problem there was that her thoughts that trigger you know, neurotic guilt are highly distorted with all the distortions we talked about in, in previous um, podcasts. And that's one of the, the differences between a healthy and, and unhealthy emotion. In both cases, your thoughts create all of your feelings. The events of this life cannot affect you. That's the idea that goes back 2,500 years. But when you interpret what's going on in a distorted way that'll lead to unhealthy feelings and and when you when your thoughts are valid those are healthy feelings for example let's take another easy obvious one anxiety yeah um, if you were to an american and you were to visit egypt or iraq or or syria or or, or some mid-eastern country yeah uh, you, you'd be feeling a lot of fear as, as you walk around, and, and it's not the environment. In some cases, yeah. Yeah, in, in many cases. And it's not the environment that's making, or Afghanistan, if yeah. you're walking around. It's your thought. And, excuse me, I keep bouncing on this table. And the thought would be uh, something like, I'm in danger, I could get killed, uh, there's a lot of hatred here for, for Americans. And those are valid thoughts. And, yeah. and the, the fear that you feel would help helps to keep you alive. But let's say you have the fear of flying, air, airplane phobia, and, and like so many people with the fear of flying, your fear is that the, the plane is going to run into turbulence and crash. And so before you get on a flight or when you, you think about getting on a flight, you, you think, oh my gosh, this is dangerous, there's a high probability that, 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 that I'm going to die, that, and, and 
well, people with fear of flying, they often think it's like a 10% probability that the plane could run into turbulence and crash. Right, right. And so that's a distorted thought, magnification and fortune-telling, predicting something that, that's very unrealistic. Yeah. The patient with fear of flying has taken a, a real danger, like a one-in-a-billion shot, and magnified it to a one-in-ten uh, uh, type of probability. So it's it's a distorted thought, and that would be an unhealthy uh, feeling. Now, that brings up a, a question that uh, I often um, have as I'm working with clients, is that uh, if... If I have a thought that is not distorted at all, there's 0% distortion, am I supposed to be experiencing any uh, negative uh, emotions from that? Yeah, absolutely. And I can, I can give an example of that. And, but, but, but the feelings that are triggered by undistorted thoughts can be healthy, beautiful feelings. In fact, I've, I've sometimes had the concept although very few of my patients have been able to understand it, but I think it's a beautiful idea of sadness as celebration, that when, if you're sad and you're not distorting anything, there's no distorted thoughts. Like yeah. depressed people have thoughts like, I'm worthless, I'll never get better, I'll be depressed forever, thoughts that are just untrue. But if you have a valid thought that, that creates sadness or tears or grief, that can be a positive thing or even a, a celebration in, in life. And uh, the first time I really uh, experienced that and had a glimmer of understanding, I, I was a, a medical student at Stanford. and I wasn't a very good medical student. I probably shouldn't have gone to medical school. I should have gone to clinical psychology uh, graduate school instead for a variety of reasons. But I ended up in medical school, and one night I was... Uh, on my rotation there on the Stanford Inpatient Medical Service, uh, or maybe it was a surgical service. Yes, it was a surgical service, and, and we had done uh, removed uh, kidney of this elderly man who had uh, uh, kidney cancer, mm -hmm. and the prognosis was felt to be really, really positive that we'd remove the kidney and the cancer and everything would be fine, and yeah. he was really a, a neat old guy. I, I felt kind of close to him because he, he reminded me of my, my grandfather in, in some ways. And and then, unfortunately, <clears throat> suddenly a metastasis appeared on his liver. Hmm. And in, in those days, th this was a terminal kind right, of it was th thing. It just, bad diagnosis. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he started going down downhill really fast. And... Uh, there was a kind of alert they sent out that he's getting more critical or whatever. And I remember his his wife, who was an, also an, an older woman, came and, and, and sat at his, his bedside 24 hours a day. And, she, and when she, at night, she just let her head, you know, fall on, on the bed there. And, and she, she, wouldn't, she wouldn't leave. And, uh, and then w one night, the, the resident said, would, would I hang around the, this evening and kind of kind of be on call? And I thought that was peculiar because I was so inept, I didn't, I thought, what good could I could I be? How old were you then? Well, I was probably about 28 or uh, yeah. in, in, in through there, something like that. Um, but I didn't have, you know, 
the skills even that I should have developed at that point as a medical student. I was pretty inept, but I said, yes, I'd, I'd do that. And then uh, when I, I, someone said, called me to go into the room there, and there were about uh, six or eight of his family members. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I think they had been called and had been told that his situation is getting yeah. pretty ur- urgent. He was kind of slipping into a coma. Yeah. And uh, so I went in, and, and then his son said, would, would it be okay if, if I, David, would, would remove the catheter from his penis? They said, it's, maybe it's uncomfortable for him, and maybe he doesn't need that now. So I said, well, let me go check at the nursing right. station. So right. I went and asked if, if, if it was okay to remove it, and they said that would be okay. And then, and then I said, well, does that mean he's, he's going to die tonight? And they kind of nodded. And then I said, well, I don't know how to remove a catheter. How, how do you do it? And they said, well, it's real easy. You just take this kind of clamp off, and the air will go out, and you just pull it out. I said, okay, I think I could do that. So I went in, and I put the curtain around, around him so the family you know, wouldn't observe me pulling the catheter out. I said, I'll just remove it now. And uh, uh, so they, they waited, and I removed the catheter. Then I opened the curtain back up and 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 they they they, they said what what does this mean yeah uh, and i found tears just going down my my eyes and uh, and i said should i should i hide this or, or should i let them see you know see my tears and i, and I was thinking that his, his his wife when she would sit next to him she would be stroking his head all the time and saying he's he's still my man and and I love him, and I started thinking of that. I just started sobbing, and, and I said, I'm just going to let them see my tears. And, 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 and I said, it's, 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 it's time for you to say goodbye to him and to, to tell him how much you, you love him, because he, he can maybe still hear you, but, but he, he, he's not going to be with us for, for too many more minutes. And then they all gathered around and started stroking him and hugging him and telling him how much they, they, they loved him. And I went into mm. the residence lounge and just Beautiful. cried and kind of wept. And then, But I didn't know if I'd done the right thing because I didn't know if the doctor is supposed to... Show your emotions. Yeah, yeah. And be, maybe be more professional. And, yeah. then, uh, and I knew I was a really bad medical student anyway. Uh, and, and, and then a couple days later, the department of the chairman... The chairman of the Department of Urology, that's, you know, the service that had removed the cell's yeah. kidney, grabbed me in the hall, and he said, could, could I talk to you in my office for, for a minute? And I, I thought, oh, boy, I'm just going to get, you know, scolded. <laughs> I messed up, yeah. Yeah, and I was, I was pretty scared, and he, he, he took me into his office, and I looked at him, and he, and he, and he said, the family just wanted to, to thank you hmm. for, for, for what you did. And, um. and he said it meant a lot to them, and... He says, I, I loved him too. And then he showed me a picture, a painting that this patient had given him of a horse. Apparently mm. he lived on a ranch and tears were going down his, his cheeks too. And, uh, and that's, that, that's to me uh, a celebration to, to have those kinds of tears. That, that, that's actually, for me, a kind of a high, high feeling that shows that you can love, that, that we're alive, that we have a passion for life and, and, and for the, the people we love. But, 
but depression uh, is, is 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 just the is just the opposite, and you're withdrawing from life, and uh, you're just beating up on yourself, and, and, and you don't feel love, you don't feel lovable, you don't feel productive, you don't you don't feel worthwhile, and and fortunately that's something that we now, as you know, have some uh, pretty incredible, amazing techniques for helping people overcome depression, sometimes with yeah. incredible incredible speed. You know, what that sounds like to me is that uh, the, the difference between healthy versus unhealthy emotions is really the, the difference between aliveness and deadness. Yeah. If it makes you feel, feel alive, even though it may not be comfortable, yeah. that's what health is about. Yeah, absolutely. Now, to, to just to, to add this, we had a little more information that we thought we might include in this podcast, and, and it's, it's, yeah. it might be inappropriate to go into an intellectual level after an emotional uh, moment like that. But uh, I, I, I well, think we can tell our listeners that uh, they, they can pause here if they, they wish to do so. Yeah. And they'll, can, they'll come back to this. Right, sure. Um, Another interesting construct uh, or idea to, to share with the listeners, uh, again, it's, it's a modern twist, uh, thanks to Aaron Beck, on this idea that's 2,500 years old, that yeah. all of our feelings, positive and negative, re- result from our, our thoughts. And, yeah. and if you're having negative feelings, you're, you're having negative thoughts. And Shakespeare kind of commented on this, Epictetus, the, the Greek philosophers were, were into this, uh, th- this idea. But what, what Beck has added to it, which I think is... And when you say negative, we're talking unhealthy, you mean? Yeah, well, no. No, actually, uh, all negative feelings, healthy and unhealthy, are caused by thoughts. But healthy negative feelings are caused by valid negative thoughts, and unhealthy negative so, feelings. So, what are does the word by, negative mean in this context? Well, as opposed to positive. Uh, well, I, what is positive? Well, positive would be like happiness would be the opposite of depression, and yeah. just as we have healthy and unhealthy negative so, feelings, so we have healthy and unhealthy positive feelings. I, I don't mean to to be uh, belaboring the point here, but um, what makes happiness positive? Well, uh, it, it's uh, it's the thought that, that triggers it, and um, if it, it healthy happiness, and I'd like to get into this cognitive specificity a little little bit. I think to, that's the thing I want to illuminate for the uh-huh. listeners. But for, for example, uh, mania and and violence and addictions result from positive distortions and unhealthy uh, positive feelings like. Someone who's depressed thinks I'm I'm worthless. I'm I'm a loser. Uh, I'll be depressed forever, and, yeah. and those things just aren't true. Yeah. But people who are manic or narcissistic mm-hmm. have distorted positive thoughts, like I am the greatest, and I can do no wrong, and I'm going to be be happy happy forever, and and I can exploit people and and use them for my own purposes because I'm you know better than than other human beings, and, and war and violence uh, actually all result from, from positive distortions. So, again, I, I don't think this, this quite answers my question. And uh, um, what, what is positive about saying, you know, I'm, I'm better than anyone, or 
I'm on top of things. What's what's positive? Well, I guess I'd have to ask you because I don't know what you're driving at, but I, I, I think that generally if emotion is positive or negative, it's kind of in the name. Like if someone is euphoric, we think of euphoria and happiness and joy as positive feelings, and we think of depression and sadness and anxiety and anger as, as negative feelings, but you might be driving at something more sophisticated or a little deeper. You know, this may be my, my way of looking at it. Um, it's just that uh, when when I experience an emotion, and for me that equates to suffering, and I know what suffering is, um, then I would say I would like to um, diminish or get rid of this emotion. Right. And that's a Buddhist idea. But also. when it's not suffering, then I don't need to. Yeah, that's right. I and, agree with you totally. And so maybe what you're trying to point to is if if there's suffering, then you call it negative. And oh, if there's see, no yeah. suffering, you call it positive. Yeah. But I, that, and also that it, the suffering is viewed is based on the distortion and, and, and the yeah. thought that, that, that triggers it, which I think is another... So for me, it puts kind of like a value judgment on the emotions where I see that emotions are just what they are. Yeah. And either right. we, we make the choice to change them or not. Yeah, exa- exactly. Exactly. And like the tears I felt when the old man died, I, I didn't, wouldn't want to change to change that. I wouldn't want not to have that kind of yeah. reaction. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you 200%. Well, the other thing I was going to drive at isn't as deep as, as that, but that, that yeah. back. Yeah, let's go back to, <laughs> to something that's useful. At the beginning of cognitive therapy, with one of his many contributions, and I thought it, it's very simple when you hear it, but I thought it was it was brilliant. And he said it not not only, and Albert Ellis to a certain extent had this, this idea, but Beck really refined it, that not only do thoughts create all emotions, you can't have a feeling until you're interpreting an event in a particular way, but that specific kinds of positive and negative feelings, but we'll focus on negative just to make it easy, right. result from certain predictable kinds of, of negative thinking patterns. And this, he called this the idea of cognitive specificity. In other words, specific kinds of thoughts create yeah, you, depression. Yeah, you briefly mentioned that before, but yeah, let's get more into this. Yeah, and uh, like like the what kind of thoughts trigger anxiety and fear um well um i would say f- uh, thoughts about the future and uh, exactly and thoughts about you know like projecting a, a bad future yeah and that's we call it fortune telling if it's a distortion but yes all anxiety comes from a negative prediction that something terrible is about to happen yeah. that i'm in great danger yeah. And to me, that was very illuminating uh, when I first first learned that. It seems pretty obvious now. Yeah. Now, how about hopelessness? If a depressed patient is hopeless, what kind of thought triggers the feeling of hopelessness? So I, I would say that uh, it's also a projection of a bad future, but it's right. a bad future that's going to be uh, lasting forever. Right. Yeah, ab- absolutely. The thing that things will never change, yeah. and that I'll have these problems forever. And although that's completely distorted, when you feel that way, it just seems so real, and, and it's one of the worst aspects of depression. And it's one of the reasons a lot of people turn to suicide or have suicidal thoughts because we can endure any negative feeling, uh, if or including physical pain, if we can see it's going to come to an end and then yeah. we'll get relief. But it's when you think there's no exit that 
that people turn to, to suicide. So that's, that's hopelessness. Now, what kind of thoughts, uh, Fabrice, would trigger feelings of guilt or shame? So uh, guilt or shame would be um, uh, self-judgment about a particular action that one committed. Yeah, that's right. It's the idea that I've guilt, I think of as that I violated my own value system. Yeah. And, and, and neurotic guilt, it's you think, therefore, I'm bad. I'm a bad person. And shame, it's the idea others will see something about me and, and, and judge me. Yeah. Uh, they'll, they'll think I'm a bad person or I have a bad value system. Uh, so how about um, depression? What kind of thoughts trigger feelings of depression or sadness? Well, I'm thinking of uh, Beck's uh, cognitive triad of uh, you know, negative thoughts about the self the uh, the world and in uh, the future. Well, that's 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 a good a good. But yeah, probably idea something more specific, as, yeah, as well. But but the the thought that creates the sadness or depression is the thought of loss, and in sadness, healthy sadness, you've lost something that you that you love. But but there's no interpretation that it'll go on forever, or that you're no good, or or something like that. Yeah. In depression, there's the thought that triggers. Uh, depression is the idea that you've lost something central to your self-esteem. So, like, I'm not good enough, and I'm a failure, uh, or that you've lost something external that you need in order to feel happy and fulfilled. Like, for example, you may have been rejected by someone you love, and then you're telling yourself, I can never be happy without John's love or Susan's love or, or some such thing. Yeah. So it's the thought of loss that triggers sadness and depression. And then uh, there's only a couple left, frustration and anger. They're somewhat related. What kind of thought triggers uh, anger? So anger is, uh, of course, directed at work, typically. And um, I would say that uh, you want something or somebody to be other than they are. Yeah, that's that, that, that's right. You're in yeah. opposition to, to what they're doing. Yes, yes, you have the idea that, that someone uh, is trying to hurt you, trying to take advantage of you, you, you should see, you shouldn't be like that, you've got no right to say that. The yeah. idea that some other person is acting in yeah. some malevolent malevolent way and deserves yeah. to be to be punished and that yeah. they, they should not be like that. And then I see frustration as that same thinking system, the shoulds directed outwardly, but toward not a person but an event. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, this train shouldn't be late because I'm in a hurry, would, would, yeah. would be the, the type of thing. And it's interesting that uh, things in the world could never frustrate a human being. Only a wrong thought about what's happening. Right, of course, yeah. Uh, so uh, a simple example of that is uh, I'm, I'm reinstalling things on my computer after my first computer crashed, the one that I bought recently, and I had to get a replacement computer, and I'm telling myself that when I install new pro programs, it, it, sh it should be very difficult yeah. and frustrating and for me. And then it, it is like that, so I'm not frustrated because I'm predicting that it'll be, it'll be difficult. But if I told myself, oh, it's a new computer and it's Microsoft and everything should work smoothly, then I would notice that it's often not like that. It's a matter of expectations. Yeah, uh -huh. that, 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 that's right. So anyway, that's the, uh, the theory of cognitive uh, specificity. Right, and, and uh, you know, 
you listed some of the most uh, well-known and blatant uh, emotions, but I imagine that as you refine it, you can find even more um, more specificity as to what kind of thoughts produce uh, other kinds of emotions. I'm thinking of things like, uh, you know, repulsion and disgust and uh, and uh, nostalgia and, uh, you know, like wistfulness. And, you know, we're getting a little bit more too refined here, but uh, yeah, right. I, I imagine that there's also specificity for all of those. Yeah, probably for positive emotions yeah. As, yeah. as well. Great. Well, I think that that's quite enlightening, and, and I really appreciated the, your your story about your patient. That was quite moving, um, um, and I'm sure that uh, our listeners will uh, will remember that one. So, yeah, I, I also think I sometimes get some kooky thoughts and ideas, and I think you you do too. <laughs> maybe we have that in common. But I, I sometimes think that sadness, the feeling of, of, of grief, or to, in response to another person's suffering. And when you suddenly feel their suffering and without a distortion, but you allow yourself to see the suffering in another person respond with, with tears and with compassion, that, that that is the essence, too, I believe, of, of, of spirituality. Yes, the moment you can, you can stay with that and not feel like you have to fix it. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Or, you know, and then for the person to to feel the, the, the love or the, yeah. the compassion yeah. that, that you have. And I sometimes think that if, if we were more open, I think we go around closed to life a great deal. We have a persona we, we put on and try to look happy and have, have it together and this type of thing, but that if we could really see the suffering that is behind the facade, Hearts of so many people that we might be crying all the time, and and and, uh, that, yeah. and that that that's maybe what would uh, like some kind of really enlightened spiritual person, if such existed, would 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 be feeling feeling that, and 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 that, but that wouldn't be a burden. That that would be a kind of a, a source of joy or or love or connectedness. Yeah. yeah, it's an expression of compassion. Yeah. Well, well, thank you for another wonderful podcast, David. Thank you, Fabrice, and thank you for uh, for listening, all, all of you folks out there. This has been another episode of the Feeling Good Podcast. For more information, visit Dr. Burns' website at feelinggood.com, where you will find the show notes for this podcast under the blog page, and where you can leave your comments and questions. The website has an abundance of resources for therapists as well as non-therapists, including books, workshops, a list of online training groups around the world, and much more. Theme music is Gypsy Jazz in Paris, 1935, composed and performed by Brett Van Donzel. I am your host, Fabrice Nye, and I invite you to join us next time for another episode of the Feeling Good Podcast.